Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 243 from Engage for Success. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about a, a very topical topic. We're going to be talking about how you can engage your workforce using artificial intelligence or AI, very much the the, um, the theme of the moment, I think. Um, I'll introduce our guest in a moment. Um, but first of all, um, for those who don't know who I am, um, I'm Joe Moffat. I'm host for today. And um, as well as uh, being one of the co-hosts for Engage with Success Radio, I also run a specialist advertising agency called Woodread. And at Woodread, we use our clients' brands and the tools and techniques and creativities that are more commonly applied by marketeers Um, We use those uh, inside the organization to engage employees and prospective employees and and essentially to build effective and high-performing cultures. Uh, So that's me. Um, I'll be with you for the next half hour. And my guest for today um, is Osamar Gamafilio. Osamar is CEO of an organization called Talentify.io. And just before we came on air, we've been comparing the contrasting weather conditions of the UK and where he's going contacting us from which is Miami so as those listening to us in the UK can imagine um, we are quite some considerable number of degrees apart when it comes to the weather so welcome to the show Othamar. Hi Joe thank you for having me I'm very excited to be here to engage for success. Thank you well it's a it's a pleasure to have you and um, very much looking forward to you uh, trying mm-hmm. to cast some light on the topic of AI and how it can uh, help support engagement in the workplace and how it can help mm-hmm. support um, HR and hiring managers in, in that task. Um, but before we get on to doing that, perhaps you could just introduce a li- yourself a little bit. And I've obviously said you're, you're contacting us from Miami. But apart from that, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of background on, on you, Osamar. Okay, sure. So... I am originally from Brazil, where mm-hmm. I started, uh, I've been in HR and recruitment for the past 15 years already. I started, I was the pioneer in RPO in Brazil. Uh, mm-hmm. I led that RPO organization to uh, growth. And mm-hmm. after a while, like it, uh, I saw that it was very hard for us to scale that company because we all very dependent with people and the labor laws in Brazil are, are very, very hard to work with. And we eventually decided that it needed, we needed a better way and that, that better way was through technology. So that's how mm-hmm. we, I started Talentify mm-hmm. in, in Brazil about three years ago. We really wanted to put together mobile technology, marketing, uh, AI, and everything that we knew could make recruitment and, and engagement and talent management better. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we were we moved our office here to the United States. We are very fortunate to have uh, great partners and investors like uh, Seattle Talents, a large RPO company is now uh, our investors and, and partners, and also Sue Marks, uh, Seattle CEO. Mm-hmm. And that's we are here. Like We are now like Talentify is really trying to get, like our main purpose is to have people that work with talent to really have time to work with talent. 
So we're using technology and, and a, like AI to in, enable people to spend more time working with talent instead of doing menial tasks. Right. So what, what prompted the move to the U.S., um, Othomar? Was it, was it in order to get that vital funding um, uh, from investors to actually allow you to, to, to take your vision and your idea and, mm. and sort of really bring it to life? Exactly. So like two things were like funding was, of course, an important thing. Also being closer to the marketplace. This is the largest market in the world for what we do. And mm-hmm. also in past experience. So I started another startup in Brazil called Talent Sentiment. Uh, about five years ago, we were one of the pioneers in the uh, in real-time engagement and post surveys. And mm-hmm. we got a lot of a lot of contacts from companies in the UK and the US, but in the end, because we were based in Brazil and just a small startup dealing, having to deal with very sensitive data, like a large organization engagement, mm-hmm. uh, we noticed that we needed to have more credibility and more authority by getting the right partners and being in the right place. Right, right. I've got you. So, um, yes. you are, are you what we would describe as a serial entrepreneur then, Osamar? Yes, I, I would like to say like I'm a curious entrepreneur. And uh-huh. I, I, I have started many things, but what I've learned is that there's uh, the serial entrepreneur and the parallel entrepreneur. In the, when I was younger, I was a parallel entrepreneur. I was trying to do too many stuff at once and oh, okay. it ended up not. Yeah, so now, like, I consider myself a serial entrepreneur, but, like, one company at a time. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I'd never really thought about that as a difference. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I can, I can see that. So, so tell us a little bit about Talentify, then. What, what kind of people? I mean, you've described your background. It's very much um, mm-hmm. HR and recruitment. What, mm-hmm. what kind yes. of people um, does the organization um, employ at the moment? Yeah, so we noticed that shift in, in how to attract and engage talent about four years ago, three years ago when we officially started the company. So I knew like we had to bring on board not just experts in talent acquisition, but people with diverse backgrounds. So we brought in, we have some mobile developers, we have data scientists, we have, of course, uh, very experienced RPO and talent acquisition uh, leadership here with us. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have marketing people as well. So we, we I think we are, uh, we now have that like three parts, like marketing, one part, marketing, one part, technology, mm-hmm. and one part, uh, HR in our team. Right, right, right. So it's really kind of squaring mm-hmm. the circle in that way um, or exactly. three sides of the triangle or whatever. Okay, um, so, so let's, let's perhaps kick off with a bit of a definition, if you would, because we're going to be mm-hmm. talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and, and you know, it, you, you cannot get away from that topic at the moment. Um, you know, where, whatever article you pick up and read, um, you know, it is very much, is it a good thing, is it a bad thing, is it a scary thing? Um, I just wonder, perhaps as a, as a start point, you know, what, what, how do you define AI? Because I think perhaps, people can become a bit lazy and just use it as a term for anything to do with tech or 
algorithms mm-hmm. or automation. Oh, well, that's, that's AI. Yeah. You know, I mean, almost almost to the point where you know I've I've got a glorified Excel spreadsheet. That must be that must be artificial intelligence. But tell tell me what mm-hmm. your take on that is. What how would you define it? Yes, and you are right, Joe. Like it became like it's, it's kind of like a cliche now to say AI. And of course, like real AI research can only be done at the moment with like funding from companies like Microsoft, Google, and Facebook. But what we are doing right now, we are using established AI uh, platforms and technology to integrate and use as as a building block of our platform. So when we right now, like people hear about AI, some people go like there's the two extremes. Some people don't believe in it and thinks it's just like a glorified uh, Excel spreadsheet. And some people are very worried about it, thinking it's already the Terminator. And yeah. in truth, like, yeah. So like to me, to me personally, like I see AI as augmented intelligence. So not, it's not yet artificial intelligence, but it's something that is augmenting our human capabilities of making decisions and providing us and giving us like shedding light on, on a lot of information that mm-hmm. we didn't notice before. So mm-hmm. of course the few years before everyone was talking AI, people was, was talking about big data and that's yep. basically the, the part of it. Like most of the, the theories about AI has been around for over 50 years, but we didn't have the computational power, the technology to, merge and, and treat all the data. So that's how we are now being able to put in practice some of those those things. Like for us personally, like we consider and we use things like natural language processing, uh, machine learning, and predictive analytics. So that's mm-hmm. part of the AI uh, toolkit that we use, we use internally. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. my, my view on AI. Like it, it's right. not yet what people fear. It's more than what some people think, but it's coming anyway. Mm. And it's, mm. um, I, I like mm-hmm. I like that use of the word word augmenting, um, mm-hmm. augmenting intelligence rather than perhaps mm-hmm. artificial, because um, it's not making the human redundant. It's actually helping the human become better at what they're doing, exactly. um, which I think, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you know, big, it's interesting actually, because big data is one of these things that, so when I was introducing myself and, and Woodread at the start of the show, um, we, I said, we use the techniques and the processes and the ways that marketeers um, treat consumer audiences. And we try to bring those same things to bear internally. And of course, big data is something which marketeers have been working with for quite some time when it comes to segmenting and profiling their consumer audiences and prospect data and all the rest of it. And it's been very apparent to us that actually that same uh, approach hasn't really been followed through internally with, um, with internal employee audiences. Um, And uh, Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to learn a little bit more about how you, how you've done that. So, so, Mm-hmm. In your from your point of view, um, Othamar, where where do you think AI can add the most value um, to a, an organization's internal understanding? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can talk about what we focus on and how do we believe, like to how do we use AI? Mm-hmm. Because like uh, AI and and the many other vendors and companies exploring that like there are many different ways that you can generate value 
Mm-hmm. This, but like to us, like we are we are using AI to improve the talent acquisition uh, process. So like really making sure that we can find and qualify and help uh, the right people get the right job at the right company, and also on monitoring that engagement and knowing how to uh, keep improving that front phone, front end of the funnel. Uh, constantly, so that's how we use AI. Like as, as an example, for example, like uh, mm-hmm. it gives us visibility on, on things that we could never like imagine to to get a, a few years ago. Like for example, our platform it, it schedules interviews automatically, so it qualifies the the best candidates, and the best candidates are invited to. Uh, schedule their own interviews at the, like as soon as, as seven minutes after starting the application process, they can already schedule their interview. So we notice and we also monitor the candidates' no-show rates. So we deal mostly with high-volume positions and we know that high-volume is very hard to market right now, very hard to get those people. And mm-hmm. we notice that uh, the platform, because of that, like it, for example, we, it noticed that people actually show up for the interview during lunchtime, at least 10% more than at the other times. So it automatically uh, increases the, the number of interview slots for that particular time of the day, thus right. reducing like the candidate no-show rate by improving that candidate no-show rate by 10%, so making more hires quickly and getting people to work faster. So this is something that, to me, like it, it's uh, it's great. It's, it's amazing. Like I've seen that coming to, from five years ago and to what we are seeing right now. And another thing that we use, and it's, I think it's you will talk about this later, is about some people say, what if you are using AI to screen candidates and you end up hiring? How do you know that you're right? Sorry, can I just interrupt you a minute? I'm, I'm beginning yes. to lose you a little bit. I, I don't know whether you've moved away from oh. your um, speaker yeah. or... I had moved away. Sorry about that. that thank you. <laughs> sorry, we were losing. Yeah, it was becoming now? quite hard to hear you. Sorry. Yeah, so, so you were talking about improving the no-show rates by, yeah. by simply identifying when people were more likely not to show them than, than when they did, i.e. lunchtime. Um, and then I, I didn't catch the rest of what you were saying. I'm sorry. I was saying that, like, this is one of the examples that we can give on how we are using uh, machine learning, for example, to make and have the platform adjust automatically to what decisions will improve uh, conversion rates for us. And the other one is uh, when people talk about automatic candidate screening is that how do you know you are writing the, you are hiring the right people? How do you know just screening out the best and getting the worst people? So like with machine learning and the, the, our platform, we are monitoring that quality of hire for six months after we help someone hire. So imagine like thousands of thousands of people being hired. Imagine like how you would do this manually, like sending individual surveys to hiring managers to candidates of thousands of thousands of replies. So that, that wouldn't be possible without the technology. So what we do, like our platform automatically monitors that quality of hire, and we can identify trends and uh, results that makes 
a candidate stay in the company longer and, and uh, generate better results and automatically improve the, our job fit score, which is our, our candidate scoring platform. So these are two examples that uh, we really like and we really okay. see the value of using uh, AI on the, the process. Can I, can I ask you, um, you talked there about the, how the value of doing that for the, for the number, the large quantity of hires over a period of time, how it would be virtually impossible to, to do that manually. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a kind of optimum number then in terms of the sort of size of organization or the kind of organization who finds this sort of insight of greatest value? Yeah, so we as Talentify, we focus on the high volume markets. So basically entry level positions uh, that are geographically distributed. So companies can't really imagine like a, a large company that has 100,000 employees on, I don't know, 50 different states. So that's mm-hmm. what we as an organization focus and the type of technology right. we, we build. Okay. So it's like 100,000 type of employees. That's a staggering number, isn't it? So these will be people yeah. in kind of like re- retail, service industries, um, leisure, um, food outlets, that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously at the moment you're based in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you, you explained why you've moved to the States. Um, and, and mm-hmm. obviously it's the largest market for talent. Um, is it your intention to start to expand out of the U.S.? Yes, we do intend that. We do. We have the platform ready to go in a few months in Brazil, where we are, mm-hmm. of course, where I'm from. And we right. have some interest coming from the U.K. as well. So we are getting the platform ready to work in that market as well. But that's mm-hmm. the two markets that we are thinking of expanding in the near right. future. Rightio. Okay. So so tell me a little bit then, um, in, in sort of simple terms, how um, you, you've given me a couple of examples there, but how does mm-hmm. this how do how does this actually work in a in a typical um, relationship with a with a prospective client? What what actually happens? Mm-hmm. What kind of, how do they see how do they see the the results of what they're doing, for example, and perhaps you can just sort of take us through in, in simple steps from the beginning to ultimately what a what a user or, or HR manager would would see as a result of using this. Mm-hmm. Of course. So first, like we improve the front end. So like we start, let's say we have a, a an actual quote of a client of ours. They hire about fifty thousand security officers around the country. Mm-hmm. And first, the first point that they had is how, to whom, and how do we communicate better, and how do we do we attract more people that convert that are interested in our job. So, like we use what we call programmatic sourcing, which is basically we monitor in real time the quality of the candidates. Mm-hmm. So it's different than programmatic advertising because we are actually monitoring not just the flow and the channels but also the quality of the candidates that are coming through automatically and then we can increase that accordingly so like our client already told us that they were hiring more people in one day than they were they used to hire in an entire week without the platform and and then like we keep working like like said the no-show rate so first we solved Mm -hmm. 
candidate volume, then candidate is actually going to the interview, then candidate onboarding, and now like quality of hire. So we we didn't set up to be into, into the, in the employee engagement uh, side of it, but like it's completely linked to what we do. So we if we don't monitor if the people we are hiring are engaged, are still there and are providing results, we can't improve. And one of the things that I like about our methodology is that we kind of like it's a uh, it avoids us making that risk of only screening screening out the best people and only letting the worst people get into because we monitor them in the future. We keep monitoring them so we can avoid that. Okay, right so. And um, and then um, and how would um, a company do, the, do you share the information that you discover with them? I mean, are they able, is it a sort of self-service type of solution? Yes. No, it's it's not self-service. Uh, we have we do some setup and, and of course we do a design section to really understand what they're trying to get out of the, the platform and the results. And we mm-hmm. do, we do share the insights we generate we also have what we call like we don't like we don't call it dashboard we have what we call an action board so the platform monitors like uh, all the users and everything that is going on and mm-hmm. shows our clients what it we think we should be done next like what is the what what action should you take next to improve your process so could we you, do could share that me, information could you give me some examples of how that what kind of thing that might show up? I mean, you've explained about the the lunch mm-hmm. the lunchtime thing. What 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 other things, for example, um, without obviously sharing any anything that you sure. confidential? Um, some some mm-hmm. examples of that. So, like one thing is that a lot of people and a lot of companies know that they they have an issue, but like especially the high volume market has is the hiring manager management if i if mm-hmm. say that like it's actually getting feedback and learn and getting the the hiring managers to disposition so what the platform does like it it uses what we call nudging so it first tries to nudge those hiring managers to give the feedback to disposition those candidates however like we know that some people just don't do it or some people complain and try to say that the platform is not working so what we do we monitor every hiring manager that is getting access to those candidates and we create like a leaderboard so we show the client the client like look this hiring manager is creating a bottleneck you should talk to him or her before something else happens so we tell the client we give the client because like to me that's the main difference between like a dashboard and our action board so while the dashboard is just showing data and in a pretty way we are basically mm-hmm. just showing you what you need to see when you need to see. Right. So, what what would a bot- what kind of a bottleneck might a hiring manager create then, Osamar? Oh yes, uh, I know like a, a a variety of bottlenecks from not giving time to interview those candidates, so not allowing or disp- or having some free time for the interviews or taking too long to review candidates. From uh-huh. interviewing candidates and never starting the onboarding process and never saying who has been rejected or approved. So, like, uh, those are the two main ones that really can create a, a bottleneck. And, and nowadays, like, we've noticed 
that we, we have some data that is coming out soon that how many people you lose every day that you don't do that, that you keep a candidate waiting or that you don't disposition. So uh, with that, like companies might be wasting a lot of money just on the time that uh, the hiring managers waste or don't give to the process. Okay. And what about, what about the sort of um, time that people stay in position after they've joined? Is there, are you able to monitor that in terms of, you know, whether, whether some managers are better at keeping and developing their people than others? Yes, we do monitor that. That's part of the quality of hire monitoring. That's part uh-huh. of how we can use that data to, to improve the hiring process. So we do mm-hmm. monitor that. So we, we don't monitor that forever. So we monitor that for up to six months after the okay. a candidate has been hired. But we do mm-hmm. monitor that. Mm. Okay, interesting. Okay, so you can see, mm-hmm. you might be able to see that manager X has got a higher turnover rate than manager Y, for example. Um, but then presumably you have to do more digging to try and understand why. Exactly, yeah. So we can... We originally, like, you usually monitor, like, we try to spot three things. One is, is of course, the quality of the, the candidate or talent. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. like, we can notice trends like training. So, uh, especially, like, with high turnover and companies desperate to hire people fast. So, that could be a problem, like, on the training and onboarding piece of, mm-hmm. of the process. And also the leadership quality, the team, like, the, the, is the hiring manager to blame? So these are the, the two things that companies can and, and are able to monitor, which is hiring manager leadership quality or just like mm-hmm. a lack of organizational structure to onboard those people properly and train them so they can deliver. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to play devil's advocate and ask you um, mm-hmm. a, a question. I mean, if, if part of this process, and clearly I, I don't understand the, the nuances and, the, and the, the technical detail behind it. But if, if in order to identify the best caliber candidates, you are actually plugging in at one end, well, our best candidates look like this, have this level of experience, have been educated in this way, um, like eating carrots on a Friday. Um, therefore, we will employ more people who fit those criteria um, mm-hmm. Is there not a risk that you are just simply perpetuating the recruitment of the same people all the time? So you're you're really not helping with the whole diversity um, agenda. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean diversity in terms of sort of ethnic diversity mm-hmm. and, and gender, but I mean you know just in terms of sort of the whole diversity agenda, really. Yes, but like what when you say diversity, if it is of course diversity, ethnic and gender and age, those are things that we are sacred and we cannot differentiate. But mm-hmm. if it's outside that realm and what you like is diversity actually like culture. So I think it's it's a deeper uh, understanding. What I know about AI in our platform is that it's human trained. So it it is blind. It won't be. It won't judge or have any unconscious bias, but it's mm-hmm. always have the human element on it. So you, you have to always be careful, and that's mm-hmm. why we believe that monitoring the results for some time later will help us really identify. Because first we'll see like are we are we 
really taking people that are diverse in a way that we like it, it hurts the company or is mm-hmm. it like more of a culture thing and those people are actually performing and delivering better results for the company because diversity became not only it's like I am a, a Latino uh, guy from Brazil and diversity is very important to us but like we, we think it's more of a human problem than a, a machine problem because humans right. in the end train the machine and we we uh, I think the first step is to understand that can be an issue and to do everything in our power to monitor and avoid that ever ever coming through for us mm-hmm. and fine. Okay, we're, we're coming very much to the end of, the, of our um, half hour actually, Osamar, so I just want to close by asking you one very quick question, which is that, you know, there's mm-hmm. obviously this sort of um, um, doomsday scenario of AI will mm-hmm. replace the humans and, um, you know, that, that you've already explained about the sort of AI's augmenting intelligence. But mm-hmm. if there was one thing that you would like listeners to take away from this conversation uh, when they're thinking mm-hmm. about exploring these sorts of technologies, what, what would it be? Yes, the one, the one thing that I, I think it's important is that, yeah, I don't believe that AI will ever replace humans. However, if you don't evolve, if you don't learn the new skills that are required, you will become obsolete. So I don't believe that AI will ever replace humans, but if you don't get ready for the future, you will eventually become obsolete. So I think that's right. a problem that has been on the Economic World Forum uh, recently and that governments and big organizations have to prepare and help guide people towards that future because it is happening and it will happen soon. And Mm -hmm. even though you won't be replaced, you need to prepare for it. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's very good. Nice way to end. Positive message. Osamar, thank you for joining us. Um, I have to say goodbye now. We're going to finish with a quick plug from uh, uh, for our conference, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. So I'll say thank you for that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and, uh, and, and good night from, from me. So thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so our conference is on March the 20, uh, 22nd. And um, if you want to get tickets, then www.engageforsuccess.org. Uh, we've still got a few left. Um, listen to Kathy back on show number 239, where she's talking about it in more detail. And now just to close, I'm just going to do a quick uh, audio from David McLeod, co-founder and chair of Engage for Success, talking about our conference. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Putting people at the heart of business is absolutely what we've got to do. What we're really looking for is that people are uh, agile, with a good sense of well-being, uh, that they're offering their full capabilities and potential so that organizations can give fabulous service to the citizen or the customer, they can innovate, uh, they can open up new markets, they can be more efficient in what we do. At one conference, we've got leading edge thinkers who are developing the themes and the ideas that are going to take this whole topic forward. You've got Matthew Taylor, uh, who developed the Good Work Report for government. Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the Be the Business, the productivity push at Central to our country. Uh, we've got Neil Carberry coming from the CBI who's going to talk about everyone's business and how the reputation of business has to be enhanced through the trust which is engendered by treating people well. And there's a whole series of practical inputs as well. We've got Sir Eric Peacock 
who's a doyen of the SME market, who literally machine guns ideas, practical ideas at what to do. We've got uh, Anna, the chairman and the chief executive of the Absolute Company, a worldwide basis, coming from Sweden. We've got Paula talking about transforming the post office through a sea of changes, uh, how she's engaged people. We've got uh, Justine, who's launched Mumsnet. What a huge success that is, right at the heart of social media, talking about the success she's created and how we balance our lives so we've been successful both at home and at, uh, uh, and at work. So we've got practical ideas, from a whole range of different parts of the economy, a case study from the public sector as well, and we've got leading-edge thinkers. So do come. It'll be a day really well spent, and we'd love to see you there. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.